0: in episode 397 of the Doctor of Dr. Podcast. My name is David, I'm here for our future. And hey. so we're going to talk about the final episode of The Creature from the Pit.
1: <laughs> as we um, rejoin uh, our ending from last episode, uh, back a little ways, and then uh, as the bandits come uh, and bring the shield to the creature they, um, they like put it in place and it, become, it does become part of the creature and then they wake up as if out of a trance and say, oh, what are we doing here? And it's Adrasta and they, they hightail it out of there. Um, Adrasta um, is, uh, uh, the doctor has Ramana make her stand aside and trains canine uh, to use his laser on her if she moves. And now the, uh, the shield is in place. The doctor touches the middle of the shield and we learn that it's a communicating device. And there's the doctor's voice emanating from it, but the doctor's not saying anything and Ramon and the doctor have a long conversation about kind of a, a who's on first, what's on second uh, situation where you, you know don't get uh, confused and upset by all the things that are happening. I didn't say anything. and it's like, well, I didn't notice this was happening because I was being too confused and upset about not saying anything and it's kind of a circular conversation they have but about the fact that they finally realized that uh, the creature is using this shield as a communication device and it using whoever is touching the center piece of it using their larynx to speak in their voice. So uh, in the confusion of this before they sort it out, we see that Carella has made it back through the, the tunnels into the throne, the palace room, and tells the guards to that uh, Adrasta is being held and um, to get the huntsman, I believe is what she says. So Romana says, well, if this truly is a communication from the creature here, then ask, talk to it, ask him, what's his name? And so it responds, the doctor's voice, Erato, and, pla- and, he and he's from the planet, where is he from? He's from the planet Tyronian. Tythonian. Tythonia. Um, and it goes on to expand that uh, it does not eat people. it eats plants and other uh, chlorophyll and other minerals and that he was actually a high ambassador from his planet when he came to Clovis. Chloris. Chloris. The uh, Adrasta speaks out and we see that the huntsman has come with his wolf weeds and they've covered poor Canine in the wolfweeds again. And, and the doctor um, addresses her and accuses her of imprisoning this creature when Erato had just come to negotiate a trade agreement with her. Um, she tries to stick the wolfweeds on the doctor and the husband says no I think we need to hear him out and refuses um she wants the, the creature killed wants the doctor to stop talking about her and um she the doctor continues and says how that Adrasta, uh, being the metal rich that she was um, wanted nothing to do with um trading any um, I don't know why she didn't want to get any metal from them she explains that Tythonia was a metal rich planet but needed chlorophyll um we needed food from them and wanted to make a treaty she didn't want to have anything to do with it and she tripped uh tipped Irado down into this pit, into these old mines um, then uh she says lies lies it's all lies and the huntsman kind of doesn't believe her says so, well let him you come over. you go over and talk through its communicator let him use your larynx and see what it has to say and she refuses um, the huntsman says that no I think it's time we hear the truth and the doctor pulls her over and puts her hand on the communicator and Irato um, then in the Lady Drasta's own voice confirms that the doctor was correct in his supposition and he says, that if you excuse me, I have a score to settle and Arato pushes, she falls down and Arato covers her and the wolfweeds are surrounding her she's trying to get them to attack it and the, the Arato kills Drasta and eats the wolfweeds says to the doctor thanks for the the weeds that was the first full meal he's had in 15 years Um, in the confusion earlier Adrasta had been uh, threatening K9 when he was covered with the wolf weeds and then threatening the doctor with the death of Organon his friend and the doctor had said goodbye <laughs> to organon and said that the fate of his two planets was at stake so organon and canine and Romana are in the palace rooms and organon is very upset that the doctor was just going to let him let drask kill him and Romana defends him and says no but she didn't he you know he he knew you wouldn't be killed he says well no he said this and that and K9 even confirms what the doctor said but um, Romana still says what you know he's trying to save the planet and save you in the process uh, the doctor f- enters in to the room and tells him how oh Romana says well maybe he studied your star charts and knew that it was a lucky day for you and the doctor enters and says yes that's exactly you know what he did he, he knew it. organon was safe Um, and that now um, Erato was almost completely out of the pit Uh, Huntsman and the other guards were helping that happen and now it's time to find out what his whole story is he didn't tell us everything so he told us everything he needed to to get out of there but I think there's more to his story the doctor mentions that Tythonians live an extremely long time and that the fifteen years was probably a blink, um, to him, but that uh, now that it's out of the pit it's gonna wanna leave and Romanus says, But you've played in so you've played along with it, that's exactly what they wanted you to do and now what are you gonna do? It's um and after everything she says, everything, uh, doctor answers, yes. Yes, I've played along. Yes, um, he's going to want to regain its ship and, and leave in this bad state. And he says, but he's probably going to need his photon drive, that I happen to have right here. Yes. And it's a piece of metal that he had taken out, um, of the, of the tunnels on his scarf, as you mentioned last time. Looks like that's what his photon drive is. Those were the pieces that were scattered across the, the tunnels. The bandits over here from outside, and they see this big hunk of metal from the ship and want to steal it. The doctor and Romana come uh To again speak with the creature with Arato who's at the side door of the palace and so the communicator is um, up front and so Ramana is the communicator's voice this time Um, she uh, relates that the shell that they found outside is really part of the ship that Arato arrived in and it's the noise it was making when it, when they first arrived was a distress signal. It had started some years ago and the signal finally reached um, his home world and he says that the truth of the situation is that they have only 24 hours or less to live. The um, This distress signal, once it's received, can't be um, simply switched off. Um, they mean to destroy Chloris by... And their entire solar system by um, harnessing the power of a neutron star and using that against them. So, Organon is reading the charts. Um, the doctor has given him the piece to the ship for safekeeping. As he's poring over his astrological charts, he's knocked out from behind. So, Erato says how he is going to hightail it out of there now. Um, the doctor says but your ship was broken so he can recreate what he needs and he gives a a unit of time of how long it would take once the doctor asks and the doctor can relate that into normal time Uh, he says it's about a little more than an hour the doctor says that um, he asks Erato, if since he can create these elements to fix his own ship, could he make aluminum? And that he has a plan to help the planet Chloris survive. He says they would. Uh, The doctor works out a way to try and snag the neutron star, wrap it in foil from. Erato and fling it into space, and then everyone will be safe afterwards. Erato finally agrees, even though he has no love lost for the planet and doesn't certainly doesn't want to go on in a suicide mission in his regard for to save them. But he does agree. And then he asks the doctor, says, "Just curious, so what would you have done if he didn't agree to help out?" So the doctor confesses that I took your photon drive. So the doctor sends Ramana to Organon to retrieve it, now that they are going to work together, and they find that Organon um, no longer has the part and has been knocked out. The bandits get back to their their lair, and they're happy with all their, their conquests, their, all the things that they've stolen. Uh, we see that uh, Madame Carilla has followed them to their tents, and as Torvin is talking about all the riches that they will have for this, and how um, they could have that, they have that ship piece, so now they could keep it for themselves or sell it and make even more money. The Madame Carola comes in and behind Torvin and stabs him. As Torvin dies. He's more interested and concerned with the fact that she has a stainless steel knife. Is it real steel? He wants to touch the knife as he's fallen to the ground dying. So, Corella threatens the others um, and then turns around and actually tries to deal with them. Says that, you know, Adrasta is gone and she will take over and work with them and all the metal riches will be theirs doctor comes in and uh warns them that yeah, you know, yeah, we may be taking over the planet, but you're in less than a day it's gonna be hit by a neutron star and then there'll be nothing left of you. So Carilla doesn't believe him at all. Um he, she doesn't believe the huntsman either who's come along. The doctor then signals to and brings in K-9, and K-9 instead of blasting anyone there, he destroys and blasts their metal that they've amassed. So, the doctor says to Kerala, I believe you have a ship part that belongs, not to you, and I'd like to have that back to me. Rato is uh, now in his functioning ship, and the doctor and Romana are in the TARDIS the, uh, and K9 they have the communicator shield in the TARDIS hooked to K9 touching it so that Erato can, am not sure how this is going to work then, but Erato can um, at least receive information I think from, from them and at some point I think he speaks through the communicator as well Uh, so they are working together Uh, he dematerializes the TARDIS the Typhonian Typhonian ship also uh, goes into space and we see the large neutron star um, burning into itself and Doctor manages to hook the attractor beam to the star and as Erato starts um, weaving the foil wrap uh, apparently over it there is some malfunction and the tractor beam starts to pull the star towards the TARDIS. But the um, Erato finishes the the, uh, aluminum to hold it and they um, are able to successfully send it away from the planet. So back at the palace, Organon is still... Uh, rereading his charts, and now he says that uh, before he had predicted the doom of the planet and then something fortuitous. And then he said, Now he sees something tall and dark coming in. He's reading his charts, and we hear the TARDIS materialize in the room with him. It's like, Well, it's tall and it's dark colored. And he says, hey, Handsome. And as the doctor pops out and says, Of course, or refers it to himself, of course. Um, he asked now if Organon is now in charge and he says yes he was and so he says well in that case I have something for you from Erato and so they opened the scroll and it is a, a draft of a contract for a trading agreement between their two worlds and um, I think it was the huntsman who was present there with Organon and so he says um, well where all did the um, Organon knows what it is, and says, "Well, how do you know what know all know all about this?" And says, "Well, it was written in the stars." And end. I'm very glad to be over with this one.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> they mentioned it in the comments. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I would have caught it if I hadn't seen it there. But early on, they had tried to make Organon useless at his job. Mm. Then all of a sudden at the end, he seems to know what's going on because he can read it in the stars.
1: Yeah. Well...
0: That inconsistency bugs me. Yeah. Now, that, especially now that I know about it.
1: How is he supposed to be bad at his job?
0: Well, he remember he was questioning his ability to read the stars, and
1: yeah, he was thrown down there be, probably because he was really good at his job, and she just didn't want to hear it. Maybe, so maybe his imprisonment in there has made him question about whether whether he was doing a good job or not yeah maybe plus there's the whole the undercurrent that the doctor doesn't like any mumbo jumbo like that he oh true. calls it that yeah there is so that. there is that fact that the doctor is kind of poking fun at what at, at what he does in mm-hmm. a way um I'm not sure but I I know what you mean um now he he knows what he's doing or was he just kind of being facetious was he just you know saying well it was written in the stars because he saw it there or because he's supposed to see it there yeah not sure Um, it is kind of interesting though that um, as he says yeah yeah, the doctor says well goodbye Organ- Organon. <laughs> maybe. I guess we like to think that it's because the doctor knew all ahead. He could plan out, address his moves, and know that, you know, she wasn't going to be allowed to kill him. Yeah. So that or maybe it was that that um, spurred the Organon into re. Uh, discovering his own his talent or his faith in himself or something self-reliance who knows that's probably a real stretch so (laughs) Um, since we're talking about Organon um, I don't think we mentioned before the actor who plays him and how his he's connected with Doctor Who you want to talk a little bit about that
0: sure well, Organon was played by Jeffrey Belden, And in addition to having been in the running for the first Doctor, the role of the first Doctor, he ended up being the first Doctor in a series of audiobooks from Big Finish called uh, Doctor Who Unbound, where the... Stories were about alternate versions of the doc- of each of the doctors, yeah, uh, or no, of I various mean, doctors.
1: yeah, various doctors and their, their companions and mm-hmm. different alternate stories and such. Mm-hmm. Not really any stories that we knew of redone, but just um, differences in, you know, like one. I think the first one he was with it was he was with it, that he was in rather he was with um, Susan, but. Susan as an adult his grandfather his granddaughter so, Susan. yes so
0: there's more to it than that well yes but but that would spoil the story
1: yeah it's been a long time we listened to,
0: listen to but that but yes
1: but there's little twists like that like you know people we kind of know but but not not completely So are very highly recommended Mm-hmm. And, I uh, love those actually he they're did really a very well good job he did a really good job as as first doctor. I think, mm-hmm. in those. Did he do just the one
0: of those? Actually, did there was a second one later. Okay. They did six originally, movie. and then they went back and did another one with him, and another one with uh, this the guy who played the second doctor with Nicholas Courtney, and it was David Warner. Just mm. Couldn't think of his name for a second. David mm. Warner. That's, a, that's one what of the I doctors thought you were
1: talking about, so I was going to supply so he did that. did another name.
0: one with him, which was amazingly mm-hmm. good. He, David Warner is outstanding. Actually, yeah. I th- I'm sorry, he played the third Doctor.
1: Oh. I didn't remember which one
0: he played. Yet, he also, was the he third. He was really, really good. Yes. Yeah. And especially with uh, Nicholas Courtney as the Brigadier mm-hmm. playing with him. Yes. Mm. Outstanding, that pair of stories. Uh, um, actually maybe it was the second anyway sorry so
1: there's was a, a a good little link to Doctor Who history mm-hmm. and, and future yeah, in that one actor that's always kind of fun to uncover um of the, the links to the older Doctor Who's the, the actress that they that plays Corella um, was it the mother in the Cave of Skulls. You yes. Know, we talked about that before. There's a little bit of uh, plant information in the uh, production notes saying that they, there's a fruit called the Corella spelled differently I think though um, that is and it has a tough, leathery outer skin. And it says, um, you see? Uh, no comparison here. <laughs> that was kind of cute. Um, there were no similarities here. I think mm-hmm. it said. Um, that made me laugh. I was writing my notes. It's like I was thinking anything of it. It's like, no, I think I'm going to write that down. <laughs> You know, she plays a, a, a bitter, older lady-in-waiting, I guess, or, or s- s- lieutenant to Lady Adrasta. I mm-hmm. know t- yeah, the description does fit her. Yeah, yeah, so that was quite good. Um, that was, unfortunately, the infor- the interesting parts of this were really from the production
0: notes. Yeah, because the whole bit of them trying to wrap the sun in aluminum, sorry, aluminium, yeah. took forever. <laughs> and it was really uninteresting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Malfunction or whatever happened. There yeah. is a way to have a bright um, flashing, a yellow overexposure to inside the TARDIS that when it was coming towards them instead, like, this, like they're getting this dose of this heat exposure or mm-hmm. something inside the TARDIS, which is always a little bit strange. Um, yeah, it was, that kind of lost me a little bit. Um, and, uh, th- another part, when they're trying to determine that the doctor's voice was coming from the communicator and not his own mouth was like you can see he's not talking mm-hmm. uh, however when they did do that they had they showed the doctor touching the, communi- the central part of the communicating device and the shot was in such, framed in such a way that you didn't actually see Tom Baker's face
0: Oh, when they did the dub? Yeah. Yeah. But it was still obvious he wasn't talking.
1: Yeah. So they didn't need to. They stopped doing that after the first couple. And then they showed him touching the the communicator. And um, we hear the voiceover and we can see that he's not talking. But there's just a little bit of a a loudness and a, a quality to his voice. He tells recorded. But it wasn't bad. The, the bad part was just the them trying to figure out that's what was happening. Really? <laughs> it shouldn't be that difficult to see that he's not talking. But yet he's touching this device that we just attached. Oh, I this. thought you were talking about
0: later, sorry.
1: Oh, no, I meant um, when they first try to figure that out and go round and round. I'm like, but but what did you what did you say then and what did you say now? It's like no, it wasn't me.
0: Yeah, that whole comic Qu- "Quote unquote comedy bit that they were doing was just painful. <laughs> really was.
1: Yeah, I would say that just lost me. That and the the wrapping the neutron star and tinfoil. That whole that bit lost me a bit too.
0: Yeah. It just took forever.
1: Plus, it was not clear to me why Adrasta would not be for. The trade,
0: yeah, no, that's not made any sense to me either.
1: They had metal, which she had plenty of, but she was a greedy person, so wouldn't you think she'd want more of it for just in exchange of a renewable resource mm-hmm. of
0: chlorophyll, huh chlorophyll
1: that's. I mean, it was a very lush and overgrown planet as we started. Yeah. So I don't think that was in any short supply. <laughs> so it would seem if it were the other way around and they wanted her metal, wanted to give her chlorophyll, it's like you know, it's like Catan you know, I'll give you two sheep for three <laughs> ones.
0: They had settlers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no I got plenty of that and I'm going to get more on the next turn you know kind of thing but why does she not want that deal why did she just attract the ambassador <laughs> at that yeah that made no sense no. so Does she have any other notes
0: No, nothing's occurring to me. Mm. It's just a lousy episode. Yeah. I don't know if it suffered too much from editing or what. What did you think of Romana? This is actually the first time uh, chronologically that Lala Ward played Romana.
1: Right, we did talk about that. I know we talked
0: about it a little bit, but now that the whole episode's gone by, what do you think? I can see there's a difference. It's not... I think it's slight, though.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I did not see so much. Um,
0: She seemed a lot less playful... Yes. ...than she was, say, in City of Death.
1: Yeah, I could see that. She was... Didn't have... She was more serious. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... When the doctor, when she's going on and on about how the doctor has played into the Tythonian's plans, and this is just that's exactly what he wanted you to do, yes. Um, you played right into his plans. We've gotten him out of the pit, yes. And she should know that there's another shooter drop, that he's got a plan. And she's not really clued into that so much know. as she would be now if this were in episode yes so that I, I notice because well, he does that all the time yep <laughs> um, and it's it's usually fun when he does that um, so um, overall thoughts
0: I thought it was a lousy episode mm. from the design of the creature down to some of the acting to the story or the editing one or the other whatever crippled this story's continuity and flow
1: yeah it it
0: It was just an all-around terrible story terrible episode
1: may have been due to editing where they took out things that may have maybe made some of the things make more sense but i'm not sure about that The um yeah I, I this they didn't fully explain many things um and I don't it's not always great that they over explain things like okay, I figured that out already, um, but to have so many things kind of left under explained mm-hmm. or a nonsensical explanation is really unsatisfying for an episode. I think, you know. It's, um... (laughs) It's like if you have dinner something that you've not... uh, Order something that you've not had before. Sounds good. It's filling enough, but it's not satisfying because you didn't like it. Yeah. You know, okay, I'm full because... I'm done with this episode, but I'm not really satisfied because I didn't really like it. So, that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing.
0: (laughs) Alright. That's good enough for me. Okay. So, our next story will be Nightmare of Eden. Okay. Yeah, I know. You give me a blank look. I know it's not one you've probably ever seen.
1: No, I don't think so. Plus, in the title, I'm thinking, okay, where do they go with that?
0: Oh, you'll find out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's certainly no paradise. Oh.
1: Spoiler? <laughs> I, don't know. I think the word nightmare kind of did that.
0: All right. So I guess that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. Join us then, and thank you for listening.